Tov. The parasha says that, uh, the sheet says that this is the parasha of Vayetze. You know that Yaakov Avinu is the Av, uh, Avram Yisrael and Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu is the one that is most sympathetic to us. Because Avram Avinu was the man of perfect faith. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called Avram Avinu Ohavi. So, you know, who are we? Uh, wow. You brought that from home? Thank you so much. Now, that's only for Yardim. Moshe's. Now I feel I can do it. <coughs> As I was saying, Yaakov Avinu is, is somebody that we sympathize with easily. Avram Avinu was a man of perfect faith. We don't know people like that. Men of perfect faith. Yitzchak Avinu was beyond that. He was the Ola Tmima, as I'll call him. He was the perfect sacrifice, unblemished in any way. Yitzhak also leaves us always these eternal riddles. Did he know or didn't he know? Was he aware of what was happening? Wasn't he aware? Rivka sort of drayed him around a little bit. And Yaakov. So Yitzchak is also not, uh, not someone who is easy for us to relate to individually. Yaakov, there's the man. Yaakov, he's got to run away from Esau. He has trouble where he goes. He has trouble where he comes. He has trouble with his children. He has trouble with his wives. I, can you imagine a more perfect foil for modern day living? So when we get to Yaakov Avinu, we relax. Because everybody can see himself or herself in the trials and tribulations of Yaakov Avinu to some extent. (coughs) So we're always happy to learn about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is also special in that Yaakov Avinu is seen by Chazal as the one who kind of determined the course of history. <coughs> you know that the Ramban wrote introductions to the Sfarim of the Torah. And the Ramban's introduction to, uh, to Shmot, the Ramban says that the book of Breshit is <coughs> called Yitzirah. It's called Creation. And the book of Shemot is really called Geula, redemption. When the Ramban says that the book of Breshit is called Yitzirah, he's not talking only about the first, the Psukim, the first parasha of the Torah. But he's talking about everything. Everything from Adam HaRishon through Yosef HaTzadik is all Yitzirah. It's all creation. It's the creation of paths. Of paths that were then followed in history. 
But every path had to be determined somehow by one of the Avot or by Yosef. <coughs> and the path that was determined by Yaakov Avinu was the path that we call Galut, exile. Yaakov Avinu, according to the Ramban, invented exile. Now, that's an interesting idea. What does it mean to invent exile? Why do you have to invent it? You kick somebody out, and then he's in exile. But what's really meant is that the Jews had a special attitude to exile. No other nation, I say that in spite of the fact that I'm not trying to publicize Judaism at this moment. No other nation managed to go into exile and remain the same nation. I mean, I'm exaggerating on the sameness, but no other nation went into exile and remained as they were in some measure. The Jews have for the past 2,000 years <coughs> been in exile and somehow remained the Jewish people. Whatever that you, however you define that. The one who invented that, according to Chazal, was Yaakov Avinu. <coughs> and the Ramban says, the Ramban said, since there was going to be an exile, I mean, someday, there had to be the invention of exile, of Galut, they would maintain Am Yisrael throughout their history. And that invention is credited to Yaakov Avinu. He is the one who invented exile and that no matter how bad it is and no, how, no matter how oppressive it might be, the end of exile is return, is Gu'ula. And since the knowledge, the clear knowledge that the end of Galut is Gula, was so clear to the Jewish people, <coughs> they were able, they were able to maintain in Galut and yearn for and actually accomplish Gula. So that this path, so to speak, this way of, of going through history was, according to Chazal, invented by Yaakov Avinu. <coughs> what I want to show you is when Chazal think this was actually invented. I mean, you all say, you all say, well, of course, so Yaakov Avinu went into exile. He was there for a long time. Seven years and seven years and seven years, and then he came back. But not so simple. Chazal look at it in a more uh, uh, in, a, in a more uh, profound way. <coughs> first, the first pasuk on the sheet is Vayishma Yaakov el Aviv elimo Vayelech Padena Aram. Now this is a strange story. This part of the story. I mean, in other words, the mother and the father who here represent the rootedness 
of Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. Yitzchak never went <coughs> to Chutzla Eretz. Really. He wanted to go. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him not to go. <coughs> Rivka came from Chutzla Eretz, but when she became Rivka, she was in Eretz Yisrael. And there she stayed for her entire to her entire life. At the end, at the end of this particular story, there's a struggle between Yaakov and Esav, and the rootedness of Yitzchak and Rivka cannot help. There's no way that they can protect him. In other words, there's a point in time when ownership, rootedness, conviction, you might call today frumkeit, doesn't help. Esau said that he was interested or determined to kill Yaakov, and Yitzchak and Rivka <coughs> are at a loss. So there are times, there are times when the pendulum swings such that even kiyum ha-mitzvot, even devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by some of the people is not sufficient. It's just not sufficient to enable all of the people to stay in Eretz Yisrael. So the Pasuk at the end of the parashaf Toldot says, Vayishma Yaakov el el It must have been difficult. Yaakov Avinu trained to follow in the footsteps of his parents, trained to deny the interests of his brother Esau, stands there, and his parents tell him that they cannot protect his interest in Eretz Yisrael. Vayelech Padena Aram. Where is Padena Aram? Outside of Eretz Yisrael, right? It doesn't matter to us. Arameans, Chaldeans, Babylonians, it doesn't matter. But it's not in Eretz Yisrael. Now when the Pasuk says, Vayelech Padena Aram, and then the next Pasuk, which is not on your sheet, says, Vayar Esav Kira'ot Benot Kenan Benei Yitzchak Aviv, Vayelech Esav Al Yishmael. So, Esav was the only one left. So not only did Yaakov go into exile, go to Padena Aram, but Esav decided that he still had a chance. And he listened, he, that's what the Pasuk says, he went and he took a more reputable wife he said this is what my father wants and now I'm here by myself I mean that's really it's not only exile but it's a turn in history that is totally unexpected. That's the end of the parasha of Toldot. Okay, Rashi says, uh, he explains or why I just explained. Rashi just said that there's this tension between Yaakov and Esav, and Esav sought opportunity <coughs> to move in a certain direction.
It's the beginning of the next parasha, the parasha of Ayetze, which is our parasha. <coughs> the parasha of Ayetze says this, the beginning. So first he was going to Padena Aram, but he actually went to Haran. Now we know that Haran is not in Eretz Yisrael, it's outside of Eretz Yisrael. It's where Avram Avinu came from. Right? Avram Avinu came from Haran. <coughs> so you have again this notion that the Torah is driving home that Yaakov symbolizes a turnabout, the loss of, 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 of achievement. Right? The achievement of the Avot was that he went from Haran to Eretz Canaan. And here's Yaakov Avinu, he's going from Eretz Yisrael to back to Haram. That's the first Pasuk. <coughs> That's the first Pasuk. The second Pasuk says, you, you, you may remember, this Pasuk is very difficult. I mean, Chazal always asks, what's Vayifka and what's Bamakom? What Makom are they talking about? Vayalim Sham Shemesh. There's a whole story. The point, the, the question that Chazal asks is, if, doesn't the Pasuk say, Vayelech, sorry, Vayetzi Yaakov Be'ezhava, Vayelech Harana. So when the Pasuk says, Vayelech Harana, what does the Pasuk mean? Does the Pasuk mean, he started out to go to Haran, or he got to Haran? Vayelech Harana, he must have gotten to Haran. And then they have a problem with the words, Vayivgaba Makom, and he, he got to a place. And then, uh, Pasuk Yudbet, Bet, if you look at the, the sheet, Rashi says, so Chazal had this odd idea. We know that he had a dream. It says in the Pasuk that he had this dream. And the dream was, A lot of facts that we don't understand. So Rashi explains about the Malachim. Why would Malachim be Olim V'yordim? So Rashi says, well, they were being exchanged. The, the first shift and the second shift. And then Rashi introduces us to another concept, that there are Malachim for Eretz Yisrael, and there are Malachim of Chutz La'aretz. So Yaakov, we know he can go from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz La'aretz, but the Malachim can't. Malachim of Eretz Yisrael, they're not willing to go to Chutzlaretz. Or they're not able to go to Chutzlaretz. And that to be an interchange between Malachim of Eretz Yisrael and Malachim of Chutzlaretz. And what is this supposed to be telling us? What is it supposed to be telling us? And where exactly was Yaakov Avinu when this was happening? So you know, that Hinei Sulam Mutzav Arza V'Rosho Magia Hashamayma 
has something to do with places in Eretz Yisrael. We know that. We know that because at the end of this story, that pasuk is pasuk yutet, it's not on the sheet. But you remember that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu was in a place called Beidel. And to the best of our knowledge, limited knowledge of our geography, Beidel is in Eretz Israel. So we look again, the first pasuk in the parasha says, Vayetzei Yaakov mi Be'ashava, Vayetzei so that pasuk means that he went to Haran. Then the next pasuk talks about the next psukim talk about a dream about Malachim Olim Yordim, and about the fact that he was still in Beitel, and it's not clear to us what he was doing in Beitel. How did he get to Beitel? He's going to Haran. Why did he just go on to Haran? So this problem, this problem is discussed. In the Chazal, in Chazal, who say, who say, make an interesting comment, which is also uh, alluded to in a different Rashi. But the interesting comment is that Ma'av, that Yaakov Avinu went to Chutzlaretz. That the pasuk means this: Vayitzay Yaakov, right? Vayitzay Yaakov. <coughs> Just one minute. That Yaakov Avinu actually went to Haran. And then for some reason, he was forced to go back to Eretz Yisrael. And then when he went back to Eretz Yisrael, he had this vision. And he prayed, and God promised to help him. And then they would, and then he, he went on with his, uh, with his travels. That's what Chazal said. So Gemara in uh, Gida Noshe in the Basachat Chulin. Now let's look at another pasuk. Perak Lamedet, pasuk Aleph. Perak Lamedet, pasuk Aleph, which is on the sheet, is about Yaakov Avinu returning to Eretz Yisrael. After all his trials and tribulations, his wives, his children, his, the money, the dealings <coughs> with, his, with his relatives, it uh, in Paraglamid Bet, 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 Lavan chased after Yaakov Avinu. They had a discussion. Paraglamid Bet, Paraglamid Bet, Paraglamid Bet, Paraglamid Bet, so, so they do. They make an agreement. Ad Khan, Lavan can come up to this point, and, and, and Yaakov will not go beyond this point. Some sort of an agreement. <coughs> and then the Pasuk says this. Pasuk. Pasuk Bet. V'yaakov halach lidarko. Now what is that all about? So Rashi says, Malachim shall Eretz Yisrael bau likrato lelavoto la'aretz. 
And the next pasuk, which unfortunately was not uh, not on the sheet, but I'll just tell you the pasuk. Yaakov and and Yaakov Avinu sees the angels. They're coming, and he says, "Wow, this is great." Machane Elokim Zeh. This is the camp of God. It's like you know, there's like a military camp full of malachim, and the malachim are out someplace. And all of a sudden, they're coming to greet Yaakov. And Yaakov says, "Oh, I know, I'm in the right place. I'm in the angels' camp." Rashi says, Shtei Machanot. Machanayim, you know, that's a dual form in Hebrew. <coughs> like Shamayim, Raglayim, Yadayim. Machanayim. Two of them. So Rashi says, Shtei Machanot. Shachutza la'aret shebao imo adkan. Shel eretz Yisrael shebao likrato. Now where was Machanayim? Anybody know where Machanaim is? Well, you don't have to know where it is. But you think it's in Eretz Israel or outside of Eretz Israel? The correct answer is outside. Outside of Eretz Israel. So when the Malachim changed from the Malachim of Eretz Israel to the Malachim of of Chutzlaret, where was Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov Avinu was in Beit El. Yaakov Avinu was in Beit El. Now Beit El, Beit El, Yerushalayim, I realize that there's this issue of where Yaakov and his feet were and where he was, but, but he, said, he, he said he was in Beit El. <coughs> Yaakov Avinu said he was in Beit El. When, ya- when the angels switched again, when the angels of Chutzla Aretz switched and became the angels of Eretz Yisrael, where was Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov Avinu was in a place called Machanayim. And Machanayim is on the road from Haran, from Aramka, <coughs> to the Golan. Right, you know, the Golan goes into Eretz Yisrael, to Tveria. It's further beyond the Golan. We, some people today, might call it Syria. That's where Yaakov Avinu was. So the change from Malachi Eretz Yisrael to Malachi Chutz Laaretz took place in Beit El in Eretz Yisrael. Whereas the change from Malachi Chutz Laaretz to Malachi Eretz Yisrael took place in Machanaim, which is certainly outside of, outside of Eretz Yisrael. One thing to remember. <coughs> the second thing I told you was that Chazal said, Chazal said that the first pasuk in the parsha of Ayetze, Vayele Harana, that he already went to Haran. That Yaakov Avinu left and came back again. Because he was missing something. Yaakov Avinu was missing something that he could only get in Eretz Israel. And we know <coughs> that Yaakov Avinu got two things when he came back to Eretz Yisrael. One were the angels. One was the angels. And the second thing was a promise from HaKadosh Baruch <coughs> And the promise from HaKadosh Baruch is in Perak 
The, pro- the promise goes on for several psukim, but it's important to know I'm with you, I will watch over you, and I will bring you back to this place. <laughs> so if you just know this information, the information that I've just given you, it would turn out that the simplest pshat, I don't mean the simplest, but what I think the most reasonable pshat is that when Yaakov Avinu left his parents' home to go to Chutzlar, he thought he was going to visit relatives. And he would probably be able to find a wife visiting those relatives, just as his mother came from the same family. Yaakov Avinu was told by his parents, look, you should leave Eretz Yisrael for a while. Let's wait till Esau cools off. Okay, so he said, fine. So, meanwhile, tzu de tzu, you know, like by and by, I'll also find a wife in Eretz Israel. Can you beat that? A trip, you see your relatives, and you get your wife, <coughs> and you also save your life, because your brother Esau wants to kill you. So that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu thought that he was going on a trip and that he would determine he would determine when he would return and that's what a trip is that's what a trip is and so we know <coughs> that it's wanted to go on trips sometimes leaving Eretz Yisrael is difficult but there are reasons that one is allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael uh, finding a wife Maybe one of those reasons. You know, if there's a real, there's a real offer. So Yaakov Avinu felt that there was a real offer. But then, Yaakov Avinu was called back to Eretz Yisrael. He's called back to Eretz Yisrael. Hakadosh <coughs> Baruch said to Yaakov Avinu. Hakadosh Baruch said to Yaakov Avinu, "Listen, you don't have the right idea about this trip." This trip is exile. And exile means that you're not going to be able to come back without massive intervention from a Kaddish Baruch. So you better come back and I'll prepare you for the exile. And the preparation for the exile had two factors or two features to it. One was an agreement that HaKadosh Baruch would watch over him and bring him back to Eretz Yisrael, even though there was no time, uh, 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 no specific time stipulated in this agreement. So he was in exile. He would come back, but he didn't know when he would come back. He wasn't a tourist. It was not in his hands. It was not in his hands. And you see in the story of Yaakov Avinu, 
that, that whatever happened to Yaakov, you know, happened. It wasn't in his hands. He was not able to stop <coughs> a lover from doing what he intended to do. And he was not able to create a life for himself until HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that the time had come to go back to Eretz Yisrael. So that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said two things. One is, one is that uh, there's an agreement. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will watch over you and bring you back to Eretz Yisrael, although we don't know when. The second thing is, that you become a Ben Chutzlaretz. You become a Ben Chutzlaretz. You know that the halacha is, <coughs> the halacha is, that if you, if you live in a place, and you have a certain minhag, and, uh, you know, the Gemara talks about minhagim, but it doesn't matter, you know, we have, like today, today there was an interesting question, I went to a minion, I went to a minion of, um, of Avelim. Went to Minyan of Avelim. So the Minyan was made up of the Avelim, all of whom had come from America. There's somebody, it was the, it was the Avelis of Rabbi Rachman, Zichrodolim His children came, <coughs> and others came, and they had a Minyan. They had a Minyan in the hotel, which was in Yerushalayim, right? So now you know that the min that in Futzlar it's Noah they don't duchen right? You remember that? Those of you, uh, you know, like like uh, the the Kohanim duchening in Futzlar is like a major event. But in in Eretz Yisrael we do it every day, sometimes twice a day. It's not that doesn't excite us that much. But in the books on morning, in the morning books, you always say that you don't duchen in the Beta Avel. Right? Please don't ask me why. It's very hard to explain. But that's what it says. On the other hand, the Minig Yerushalayim, Minig Yerushalayim, now Minig Yerushalayim means whatever Rav Shlomo Zalman said, the Minig Yerushalayim is. That's Minig Yerushalayim, because the Hasidim, they don't know anything about Minig Yerushalayim, you know, Hasidim, they just do what they did all the time. They don't, they're not going to change. So, Shlomo Zalman said that the Minig Yerushalayim is that you do Duchen in the Beit Avel. Right, so you imagine this, all the Avelim are from Chutzlarz. They never heard of Duchening. So to them, to say that you don't Duchen in the Beit Avel makes sense, because they don't Duchen anyway. But they were in Yerushalayim. So the meaning in Yerushalayim is that you do do it. <coughs> so, God the Golden, one of the twelve people in the Minyan was Rav Shari Sheikh Cohen, who was the chief rabbi of Haifa. So he said, what do you mean? Of course you do it. I mean, I grew up in Yerushalayim. He said, I'm do He said, you know. <coughs> so that solved the problem. So the halacha is that as long as you live in Chutzwa'aretz, you live someplace that has a minhag, and you happen to be in a place which has a different minhag, you can maintain your minhag. But if you move there, <coughs> if you move to that place, to the, uh, then you have to change your minhag. Today we don't do that because we, we, Jews move in clusters. So they, they, they just stay the same. 
wherever they go with all of these kinds of minhagim. But that's the halacha. That's the halacha of the Shulchan <coughs> That if you go to another place and you live in that other place, then you adopt the minhag of that, of that other place. So, when Yaakov Avinu went to Chutzlar, it's the first time. The first time he's in the Pasuk. The first Pasuk of the, of the Parsha, Vayele Chorona. He was going as a tourist. He wasn't going to adopt the Minhag HaMakom. And since he wasn't going to adopt the Minhag HaMakom, <coughs> it made sense that he assumed, it was probably true, that he would be protected by the Malachim of Eretz Yisrael, because he was still in Eretz Yisrael. I mean, it's true that physically he left Eretz Yisrael for a short time, <coughs> but in his mind, he was still in Eretz Yisrael. And that's one of the aspects of being, of being in Eretz Yisrael. That even when you leave, you're still in Eretz Yisrael. And that's what you can see. We all have this experience. You know, people come from Chutzlaretz to visit, but they're still in Chutzlaretz. You know, they're here. But they say, they keep saying, oh, we do it this way. You know, like, that kind of, uh, in a Brooklyn accent. This is how we do it. This is how my rabbi does it. Like, they keep doing that all the time because they're not here. They're over there. They could be watching, like, a slideshow. Oh, that's the Kotel? That's the Kotel. <coughs> that's the Beit HaVikdash. The Beit HaVikdash. You know, it's like, you can be there and not be there. So Yaakov Avinu, he was in Eretz Israel. It's true that he had to leave because he was afraid of Asa. And his parents told him to go. And he thought he would get a wife. But he was in control. And therefore, he's still in Eretz Israel. So if he's still in Eretz Israel, who's going to protect him? The Malachim of Eretz Israel. The Malachim don't have any problem about going here and going there. <coughs> the Malachim of Eretz Israel. I could have protect somebody who's not from Eretz Yisrael, who doesn't live in Eretz Yisrael. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, that's what the Gemara says in Gina Noshe, that, uh, that Yaakov Avinu had to go back to Eretz Yisrael so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could explain to him, to Yaakov Avinu, that he was leaving Eretz Yisrael. And leaving Eretz Yisrael meant, meant <coughs> that he would not be protected by the Malachim of Eretz Yisrael. He would accept, he would accept the Minhagim of Chutzlaret, so to speak. He became a resident. And why was he a resident? Because he was trapped. And that's the nature of Galut. The nature of Galut is not that, that something in particular prevents you but there's an entrapment. There's a general kind of entrapment which doesn't allow you to make your way back to Eretz Yisrael even when it seems so simple and so obvious. So that in the Middle Ages they said the roads are dangerous and there are highwaymen and it takes a long time and people are ill and it's difficult to come. This is all quoted in Tosfot, Po and Shun. Right, it was difficult. You couldn't expect people to go on Aliyah. But it doesn't really matter today when it's simple to go on Aliyah. I mean, it's really simple. You don't have to 
that somebody gives you a plane ticket, that somebody else gives you some money, and, uh, and you have all your friends here in, in Eretz Yisrael, and there's always something to do, but there's always some impediment. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about people who claim that they want to come to Israel. I'm not talking about people who are not interested in coming to Israel. People who want to come to Israel, who declare from the highest mass that they are, are devoted to the... They're planning on it, they're thinking about it, but they can't, they don't come because they're trapped. And that's the nature of Galutra. Entrapment doesn't mean that you're in jail. It means that you develop an inability to make certain kinds of decisions. You just can't do it. So that's what happened. <coughs> that's the story of Yaakov Avinu in the Galut. And Yaakov Avinu was able to return to Eretz Yisrael only because HaKadosh Baruch returned him. Because sometimes the entrapment is so great that in spite of the fact <laughs> Yaakov Avinu was living in a world of idolatry right? he was living in a world of idolatry I mean even his own wife uh, took idols with her I mean whatever the reason I mean, it's hard to imagine what reason they could have been he was living in that world of idolatry having been educated in the house of Yitzchak and Rivka but he couldn't escape there was no way for him to get out <coughs> now the return to Eretz Israel. Return to Eretz Israel. You know that Eretz Israel has a variety of boundaries that are listed in the Torah. There are the narrow boundaries. You know what today is called Eretz Israel Ashlema, but those are the narrow boundaries of Eretz Israel. I'm not uh, making a political statement of any kind. And there are wider boundaries. And the wider boundaries go to the, the Prat, the Prat, the Euphrates. Now when Yaakov Avinu went on his way back to Eretz Yisrael, <coughs> he had a confrontation. He had a confrontation with Lavan. He had a confrontation with Lavan. And there, at that confrontation in Periglamid Allah, Pasuk Mandala, the Pasuk is not, uh, <coughs> is not on the sheet. So Lavan chases after him. And then, let's, let's create a covenant. They made a pile of stones. I mean, even in those days, Jews liked to eat, to eat at any occasion. In his language, and Yaakov Avinu in his language. <coughs> so, Lavan said, Anochi, Yisricha, Imani lo evor elecha et agal hazeh, Vimata lo tavor elai et agal hazeh, Vita matzivah azot So Lavan and Yaakov made an agreement. And their agreement was that this was the boundary between them. 
which means that everything west of that point, as far as Yaakov Avinu is concerned, was Eretz Yisrael. Everything west of that point. That was Yaakov Avinu's discovery on the way back to Eretz Yisrael, that there was greater Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> and greater Eretz Yisrael was determined by the boundary that he, Yaakov, established between Lavan and himself. So for Yaakov Avinu, unlike Avram Avinu, when Avram Avinu came to Eretz Yisrael, the first place that he went to was Shechem. And that means that Eretz Yisrael was what we call Eretz Yisrael, west of the Jordan. But for Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu returning from exile, with this understanding that he had, <coughs> that the exile came to an end, First, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu took him out of that exile, but secondly, because you could establish a boundary that said, Atkan, this is the, beyond this point is the exile, and from here on is Eretz Yisrael. And then he looked up, that is to say, uh, Yaakov, Vayome Yaakov Kasher Ra'am, he looked up and he saw the angels and he understood that he was already in Eretz Yisrael. That he wouldn't have to wait to go to Beit El for the exchange of Malachim. But already in the place that's called Machanayim, <coughs> already in the place that's called Machanayim, Yaakov Avinu knew that he was home. That he was in Eretz Yisrael there at that point. <coughs> and so the Ramban says in the beginning of Shemot, Ramban says in the beginning of Shemot that Reshit is the book of Yitzirah, the book of creation, the creation of paths. It's the book that gives us the confidence and the hope to maintain in history. And what does it say? In the book of Breshit, in the story of Yaakov Avinu, interestingly enough, it says the Eretz Yisrael that you come back to is bigger than the Eretz Yisrael that you leave. That's what the story of Yaakov Avinu says. And that's the way, <coughs> and that's the way it's acted out in history. You don't have to actually be there. You have to be on the way to Eretz Yisrael and that's enough to make it Eretz Yisrael I mean it's impossible not to quote Rav Nachman of Brasov Rav Nachman of Brasov the one who said you know he went to Eretz Yisrael the boat landed in I think Akko then he went to Tzvath and Tveria and then he left and he went back I won't try to explain why he came or why he left, because I haven't got a clue. But he did say, in, in the diaspora, back in the Ukraine, when he came back, he learned something. He learned that Lech Lecha is also a mitzvah. Not just getting there, 
<coughs> but going there. And so Rabbi Nachman said, Kol makom shani olech, ani olech la'eretz Yisrael. That what changed. What changed is <coughs> that you can't make Eretz Yisrael in Chutz Laaretz. But you can make going into Lechmach. And therefore he said, that's what I understood. I understood you could always be on your way to Eretz Yisrael. So as soon as Yaakov Avinu knew that he was on his way to Eretz Yisrael, which was in this place where they set up the Gala of name and the Yikar Sadusa, <coughs> in this place, Yaakov Avinu understood that he was on his way to Eretz Yisrael. And the Malachim of Eretz Yisrael came to protect him. And the Minhag of Eretz Yisrael would have been obligatory on Yaakov Avinu at that particular point. So this is the way the Rambam, the Rambam understands, understands history. That while it's true that we are subject to sahava onesh, to reward and punishment, and while it's true that galut is something that we get because we deserve it at the time, nevertheless the capacity to withstand the galut, to overcome the difficulty, is kind of inbred into us. Because that's what the that's what the Avot did. They were responsible for the genetic mapping of their children. They they gave over to their children qualities which Am Yisrael has managed to hold on to with great tenacity. With great tenacity. Uh, you see it you see it that uh, <coughs> well I mean I, I don't want to say something that is not that is not you know scientific but it seems to me it seems to me that even though Am Yisrael comes from many different places and they speak many different languages and eat different kinds of food on Shabbos nevertheless there are certain qualities that they seem to have in common which go back to the Avot right in the in the in Kabbalistic language they said Avram is Chesed and Yitzchak is Devorah, that meaning that, <coughs> that not that they were, but that we are to a certain extent because of them. I mean, otherwise, what, what's interesting, though, it's not interesting to us to find out that Avram Avinu was great. Only if that greatness somehow has something to do with us, if we can appeal to it. So we could say, or we say, uh, we say, okay, Abraham, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov. <coughs> so we recognize something about them, not because we are scholars. We recognize it because we have it in ourselves a little bit. I and mean, we're not really like them, but we, we have a feel for them. We understand about them. And that's, that's the genetic makeup of, of Kal Yisrael, so to speak, which derives back from the Avot, so the Ramban is the one who said, Galut is devastating, but the ability to maintain in Galut comes from Yaakov Avinu. That's what, that's what Yaakov Avinu got it. <coughs> the Ramban, you know, who went on Aliyah, he himself came to Eretz Yisrael. That's why there's a big Knesset Ramban in uh, Yerushalayim. Imagine that when the Ramban came to Eretz Yisrael, you couldn't get a minion in Yerushalayim. I mean, can you imagine that? Like with Dab Mincha, with a minion, Lo Hayah Minya. Oh, yeah, so he went to Hebron. 
where there were more Jews than there were in Eretz Yisrael. Later on, he came back when the community grew and he, and he established that Beit Knesset that we call today the Beit Knesset Rambat. <coughs> so when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he thought you should come. He thought you should come in. And, and the Rambam, I mean, it, it was like different qualities. The Rambam, who certainly also thought that Eretz Yisrael was a wondrous place. You look at the, the, what the Rambam writes about Eretz Yisrael in Ufot Malachim, that all the Chachamim would kiss the ground when they came to Eretz Yisrael and uh, the love for Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, when he left Spain and went on his way to, uh, to wherever, he ended up in Egypt and he didn't end up in Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> and this is not a criticism that I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that we have these genes in us, like we're interested in going to Eretz Yisrael, but we're not always able to accomplish it. Nevertheless, we understand that for Am Yisrael, that's the future. There is no other future. Nobody would say that the future of Am Yisrael is in New Jersey, right? Even though New Jersey happens to look good right now. But, uh, but you know, we've been through this before. I've been through this before, and yet when you say to somebody, oh, we'll be here forever in Eretz Israel, even though you know <coughs> that that's not necessarily the case. After all, we've been exiled from Eretz Israel at least twice and three times, perhaps, depending on how you look at it. And uh, we spent hundreds of years where we lived in Eretz Israel on the foreign dominion. <coughs> and nevertheless, what I say, well, we'll be here forever. This is forever. This I was always tell the story. I was telling it this way, you know, in America, when you build a shul, you build a shul in America, so you, you so you could think when you build a shul whether you could sell it to Baptists or you sell it to Episcopalians, right? You could think about that. There it is, so you build a shul, supply the shul. You know, it's like always going to be a shul. You go to 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 Davuchov Yafo to what they call Nachlat Shiva, so they have like signs on the. Like old signs, Beit Knesset, or something or other, you look inside, there are people davening. And it's some kind of kuch, you know, like a little hole in the wall. It says shul, and it's a shul. So you, so you feel like that's what it is, that's Eretz Israel. I say you build a shul, it's a shul forever. Ah, just do I know that I'm wrong? Of course I know that I'm wrong. But I say it anyway. In other words, it, it makes sense to me. There are things that make sense even though you know you're saying something that's not exactly correct. So that's what, that's what uh, uh, the difference is. That with Eretz Yisrael we are taught, since we are children, is a kind of a permanent home for Am Yisrael. As opposed to every place else in the world, which could be a wonderful place to live in, but it doesn't strike us as being permanent. Now, uh, uh, is this true or is it not true? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't prove that it's true. But I do think that we feel that way. Like, we kind of feel... And in spite of what happens in Eretz Israel almost daily, which kind of uh, might influence somebody to think that the whole boat is rocking all the time, and who knows what will happen, nevertheless, we feel that there's a stability to Eretz Israel that doesn't exist <coughs> in the Golan. And that's, that's what Yaakov Avinu understood when he got to Machanai, that he was already in Eretz Israel. So I want to just look, let's look at the Breshit Rabbah at the bottom of the, of the page. And you'll see these sources, uh, the sources that I quoted, except for the picture, the drawing by Rembrandt, which is not my, not my issue. 
but it's a nice drawing. <coughs> you know, they say that Rembrandt uh, like had the Jewish neighbors, and you know the Jews want to crick right into everything. They want to, so the Rembrandt lived in. Uh, where did he live? Yeah. So, I mean, I understand Holland, right? Yeah, you know. They <coughs> so he was not Jewish. Uh, uh, no matter what we do, we can't figure out how to make him Jewish. But but he had neighbors. You know, in those days, people liked to draw and paint uh, biblical scenes. And uh, Rembrandt was no exception. But sometimes the, the Jews apparently, like, gave him a little bit of advice on how to do it. So some of his, some of his drawings seem to us to be very... <coughs> very Jewish. Now look what it says in Breshit Rabbah. The end of last week's parasha, we know that Yaakov Avinu was blessed several times. Shneemar, vayikray Yitzchak et Yaakov, vayivarech oto. Yitzchak Baruch HaKodesh, Ra'i Yitzchak Baruch HaKodesh is what the Ramban would call, Ramban called that Yitzchak had a need to determine the future. <coughs> so what did he do? Shatidin banav lihigalot levein ha'amot amalo bov avarechecha bracha shel galuyot. So Yitzchak said, let me give you a bracha that's worthy of exile, and you'll be able to come back. That that Yitzchak realized, Yitzchak realized that besides the brachot of Avraham, and uh, which which include the bracha of Eretz Yisrael, Yaakov needed a special bracha to pass on to his children, because his children would suffer exile, and when you go into exile, you need a special bracha. So the bracha of Avraham Avinu was that the children would inherit the land. But obviously they can't inherit the land if they're not there. If they're in the, if they're in, uh, in, in Chutzlar, it's in the diaspora. <coughs> so look, and Yitzchak, according to Chazal, and he already preempted this situation by giving a special bracha, by giving a special bracha to Yaakov, to Yaakov Avinu. Uh, okay. Uh, there are a few other, there are a few other uh, medrashim that I put on the sheet that indicate the same, the same thing. That galut, galut was a special thing in history. It never existed before. I mean, I think that's a, a way that we should look at it. The idea that a nation could go into the diaspora and weather it and come back, changed with a different minhagim, different kind of language, different kind of but maintain their devotion to the principal ideas, that what we call that bitachon. Bitachon means that you're confident that God will fulfill the promise, right? It's not what we call today, I, I think I mentioned, it's not what we call today bitachon. The bitachon means something strange. I don't know what it means, that God is supposed to take care of us, and we don't have to take care of ourselves. 
something like that, that's not bitachon. Bitachon means that the promises that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to Avram Avinu, and they are two, one has to do with Eretz Yisrael, and the other has to do with, with progeny, with Jewish progeny, that those promises will be kept in spite of how things look. They can look bad, but they're going to be kept. <coughs> and of course, the master of Bitachon was Yitzchak Avinu, who allowed himself to be taken to be sacrificed. I didn't have a moment. He didn't say to Avram Avinu, as Avram Avinu might have said himself. He didn't say, how can I have children if I'm dead? Right? And we were like, it's a kasha. <coughs> he didn't say that. He said, this is what God wants. This is what we'll do. How will I have children? However, that's God's problem. It's not my problem. My problem is accepting God's uh, a will. That's my problem. That's what, that's what we are here for. Whether you call it mitzvot, you call it or you call it something else. That's what our job is. not to figure out how if we do the right thing, how God will do the right thing. God will do the right thing. That's called bitachon. And, and that's what sustained Am Yisrael in the Galut. And it's wrong to say that for Am Yisrael in the Galut, Eretz Yisrael was a dream. This is something people like to say. Because a dream is something that is not real. A dream is something that's confusing, as we'll see in the parish with, uh, with, uh, with Paro and his dreams. Dreams are confusing. They're not clear. That's why... There are psychologists who could earn a living talking to people about their dreams because they're not real. Eretz Yisrael for Am Yisrael was real. We're going to Eretz Yisrael. There was no question about it. They didn't know how. And they didn't know when. And they knew that, they were, that, that, uh, that living in the many diasporas was difficult and oppressive. But they knew they were going to Eretz Yisrael. It wasn't, it wasn't a problem. But therefore, when Rav Nachman Abratzlov said what he said, what he meant was, <coughs> what he meant was, and he was always thinking about this, like, what does it mean to be a ma'amin? What does it mean? You know, like philosophers will talk about what is God, and who is God, and how is God, and, right, and, and what does it mean to believe in God? And Rav Nachman explained it. Nachman said that to be a ma'amin you have to believe in the promise and what does it mean to believe in the promise it means wherever you're going you're going to Eretz Yisrael because there's no other place to go to and we're absolutely confident that that's where we're going even though I may be going in, uh, in Oman <coughs> for my miserable home to buy a little milk from some goy who makes fun of me because I look Jewish, it doesn't matter. What the guy doesn't understand, and what the cow certainly doesn't understand, is that I am on my way to Eretz Yisrael. Because that's the only place I'm on my way to, ever. So that's what, that's what Emuna is. That's what Emuna is. And Emuna goes back to Avram and Yisrael and Yaakov, the promise the promise is what HaKadosh Baruch gave me. He says, this is what you have to believe in. No matter what happens, no matter how good it is or how bad it is or how changeable or variable, 
this is what we are committed to. Have a good Shabbos.